fucking ditch him. Yeah, yeah, what's up? Testing one, two, three. I don't mean to rock the mic, but sometimes the mic gets rocked anyway. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just talk about shit I know about, you know what I'm saying? Like, to the choir, dude. I just talk about shit I know about, like trailer parks and shit. All right. Yeah, We're, the mics are hot. The mics are caliente. All right. So it's probably all just going to go on this mic, but I gave you that mic as a like a little, you know, like it's like a confidence thing, you know? Cheers. It makes you feel good, man. It makes Cheers. you feel big. I'm, uh, this is another fourth string interview series. I'm here with uh, Tarzan himself. Hi, Calistine. Uh Introduce yourself. Yeah, what's up, four stringers and all your fans? Um, my name is Ariel, the Tarzan Sexton, and I am... A That's a real last name, by the way. It's a, it's a real Sexton. last name. Sexton. Sexton, or, you know, sometimes I call myself Sextonius. I like that. I, I, cool. I'm actually Flavius. They actually call me that. Yeah, Flavius and Sextonius. Yeah. I like that. Well. I like that. All right. You know, and I'm a Costa Rican-Canadian kid. Really? Yeah, man. Mixture. Cafe con leche, we call it. Are you American though? Like, do you have your citizenship or? I, I don't. Talk oh, it's sorry. Right. We'll cut that out. Cut that out. Okay. <laughs> I'm just no, I'm uh, I'm here as um, an alien with extraordinary abilities. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm working here for Henzo Gracie Fight Academy. No problems. Legal tender paperwork is in order. Mm-hmm. But that's me, man. I'm a martial artist. That's cool. How long have you been doing um, martial arts? I've been doing martial arts um, since I was a kid, basically. Really? Yeah, I was I was doing karate when I was a little kid. I was doing kickboxing, um, street fighting counts, and then Brazilian jiu-jitsu since probably 2000, 2001, and mixed martial arts, MMA. I think I had my first fight in 2004 or five or something. Wait, wait. Street fighting? Like, take me back to that. Like, what what was your upbringing like? Like, what you grew up in Costa Rica or Canada or what? Well, you know, kids are cruel. So basically, yes. in Costa Rica, I was the kid who was from Canada that had an accent. So wait, so you were born in Canada and then you went to Costa Rica? Um, I actually spent equal time in both Canada and Costa Rica. Uh -huh. I I was brought up in Vancouver. I went to school in Vancouver, but every year I would go to Costa Rica for summer, like vacation. Oh shit! Family. Yeah, yeah. So it was basically like everybody trying to bully me and like beat me up and fight me. So I was really? always fighting people, um, which is weird. And then in Vancouver, it was just like a hockey city. Everybody likes to fight. So we were just growing up like fighting every day at recess and lunch. Yeah. And after school and hey, let's go behind the school and just. So fighting was like kind of normal for you. Always normal. Yeah. Yeah, normal. It's the only thing I'm actually good at. You really? I don't know, man. I heard you rapping before. You're pretty good. You're a yeah, microphone I'm the assassin. Microphone assassin. I like that. I had like I had this problem. I got my tonsils taken out, so basically my whole rap career went down the drain. Oh. Because I had these crazy deep vocals and shit. I <laughs> like deep vocals. People were like, I've never heard that kind of shit. Uh huh. The and vibrato and everything. Yeah. Now I lost all my up and downs and my pitches. Well, thank shit. God you're fighting, then. That's why you know what I'm saying. When did you take your first like uh, amateur fight? So. Amateur was like mostly in Canada, like karate tournaments, kickboxing oh, shit. tournaments. Um, we did in, in Costa Rica when we started jiu-jitsu, we didn't have real jiu-jitsu tournaments. Mm -hmm. So basically we were doing karate, kicking and punching with 30 seconds on the ground. Oh, and no way. Yeah, they didn't really want us to, to do jiu-jitsu. So uh -huh. if you got an arm bar, you got a point. You know, like if you got a submission, you got a point. So it wasn't just the end of the match. It wasn't the end of the match. Even if they tap and everything. So my coach was like, you got to break their arm. So we would basically Whoa. try to break people's arms. 
And we did that for years. We were fighting everybody in Costa Rica, all oncomers. We'd travel to Panama. We would go to like, and then all of a sudden it started to get a little bit more popular jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And then we would travel to like the States for tournaments and stuff like that. And then it was official. We actually like, first time we rolled on a mat that wasn't a puzzle mat was like, wow. Zebra. Yeah, really? Whoa, You're like, whoa. yo, what is this? Yeah. Throw me. Yeah, like, throw me now. Throw me. Throw. <laughs> so like you, you would actually have to break their arms. Did you have to do that like a lot? Like, did you really have to fucking? Yeah, my coach was like, if you don't break his arm, I'm going to break your arm. You know? so, really? Who's your coach? My first coach was Daniel's student. His name's Mauro Sergio. He's a high end Gracie and a Daniel Gracie black belt. Oh. And they're hard nosed fighters. And he was in Costa Rica, raiding academies, challenging everybody. Oh, shit. What was shit that about like? Everybody. Like, your karate's bad. Okay, you're fighting me. I'm in the middle of the ring fighting a black belt in judo mm-hmm. like, with my blue belt in jiu jitsu, like standing up, like kicking and punching, throwing him. He's throwing me on my head and shit. And it was just, it was like, that's what it was all about. Yeah, but like. You, we can't just glaze over that. Like, that's fucking crazy. You were a part of, like, the Gracie Challenge fight, like, history, I guess, huh? What years? What year was that taking place? Well, the funny part of it is that happened for sure uh, in Brazil and, and, and in the States and everything. But in Costa Rica, it's a small little, little niche community. Mm-hmm. So my coach was the first Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. So Costa Rica has big karate and shudokan karate, and they have, like, wrestling and boxing and and other stuff, kickboxing and Muay Thai. Yeah. So he was just very like, he just wanted to show that Jiu-Jitsu was the badass. So he, we were literally Dude. doing like, go to knock on people's academies, six of us standing there with our blue belts. Thinking, How old were you? How old were you there? Badass. Yeah. So this is like 2001 or two. So I was maybe like 22. Oh my God. I could see, I could honestly see me being like a fucking like a know-it-all 22-year-old trying to fuck people up. Like, yeah, I'm a blue belt. Like, I could fuck people yeah, up. Yeah, and unfortunately, I was coming from Vancouver. In Van mm-hmm. City, I was, like, super jacked, hanging with the wrong people on, like, my 10th cycle of steroids. Nice. And, like, n- n- Did you have that roid rage? Is that a real thing? I had crazy roid rage. I got in a lot of troubles in the streets in Vancouver because uh-huh. of roid rage. Um, I ended up getting stabbed because I was fighting on the streets. Where'd you get stabbed? I had got stabbed in my punctured my lung, collapsed my lung, like uh-huh. I almost died. And got to Costa Rica. Does that affect you now, though? Um, apparently, I only have like half a lung. Like, like you could half. fucking fool me, dude, because you have that gas tank. Like, well, that's a poker face shit because the doctor told me that I wasn't supposed to do a lot of cardio and do exercise. So mm-hmm. I actually just started pushing myself harder than ever to prove the doctors wrong. Fuck fuck do they know what do they know right? yeah but it hurt a lot like i could feel pain breathing mm-hmm. and basically like as soon as i started jiu-jitsu no more drugs no more steroids no more nothing really thank god to jiu-jitsu it's been like the last 18 years of just being clean living off natural shit now i'm taking ashwagandha and shit ashwagandha Wait, what's ashwagandha that and rhodiola and cordyceps and all these Ashva- what is ashwagandha? Let's not get too deep into it, but what's ashwagandha? Because that sounds like... Ashwagandha is one of the most important herbs you can take for the human body. If and it's anything like kratom, dude, I'm all, all like about kratom. it. Kratom's a little different. <laughs> but ashwagandha basically blocks your stress. You know, it Whoa. blocks the, the production of your cortisol in your body that mm-hmm. produces stress. So everything on our body causes stress. Yeah. Working, living, training, whatever. So at night you take a little ashwagandha. Just a little hit of that. Happy. Like a little, a little bump. A little bump of ashwagandha. Yeah, you, know you put it saying? right there. You rub it on, you know, you mm-hmm. put it in your little whatever. You yeah. mix it up. Uh-huh. And that's just one of the things that help your body cope 
with our stressful life. Wow. You don't think Google th- it. you don't think that like um so like one thing about like me like I used to smoke a lot of weed and uh I try not to as much anymore or like do like many supplements that kind of alter my uh mood or anything like that because I feel like you know when you naturally like without any ex like exogenous like supplements like let your body go through the motions of dealing with the stress and stuff like that i feel like you get a little stronger like not just yeah like so like using that stuff yeah. like how how do you rationalize using that stuff like every night like yeah. to 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 help you get over that stuff as opposed to letting your body naturally do that and like you know yeah. overcoming it yourself like because i understand i i understand both sides of the coin i i, I was the same way like i yeah. so i don't know well i mean i the thing is like we're doing a sport that's not normal we're pushing our body to mm-hmm. a limit that's not normal so through normal food you're not going to get the nutrients that you need yes um we're combining weight training multiple classes in a day mm-hmm. there's no such thing as overtraining, but there is such thing as under resting so yes a lot of these things natural stuff herbs they've been used for thousands of years like mm-hmm. all over asia you know people have been taking these natural stimulants mm-hmm. to help just produce a little bit of mental clarity, mm-hmm. energy, uh, vigor, being more vigorous, vibrant, whatever you want to call it. Um, I definitely use them on cycles. I try to use them like during training camps and mm-hmm. stuff. And you definitely, you know, get off them for a little while. Like oh, okay, I see. Yeah. You can't live on all these things. See, that's what that's um, the, where the problem lies. I feel like, and and like, it, unless you have that balance and that no, you gotta know about them. Yeah, you gotta yeah. Know which ones you can take year round and not take year round. Mm-hmm. You know, like even the common vitamin C. Mm-hmm. I used to get sick every weekend because I would teach children jujitsu. And all the kids are kids sick. are gross. They're, yeah. just, they're all slimy, <laughs> they're all, boogery, yeah, and yeah, disgusting. Yeah. I still love kids, balls, but right? yeah, they're they're full of bacteria. But it was just a gram of vitamin C a day, and basically, I never got sick again. Wow, that's it. That's it. That's interesting. It's like it's like body hacks, like you know, like body optimization. And I feel like you're a well of knowledge for that. I always hear people uh, telling me that you mentioned like something to them in order for them to like optimize themselves. Luigi, especially. Well, I try to reach out to the guys that want to learn. Yeah, of course. I try to like pass down things that I've learned through Mm -hmm. trial and error. And sometimes it takes a lot longer to to go the long route when I can just tell you here's a little secret man but again they have to actually want it too. I think that's important because the same way in jiu-jitsu and fighting you have these mentors who literally put you in like a time machine for like pa- getting past all these pitfalls common pitfalls and mistakes that you may go through and with a mentor like you you can avoid all that shit like that that, that could take years off of your train like that, so like that's cool yeah. that's cool that you you can actually help these people in that sense like well yeah i mean i learned a, a pretty sick triangle and it took me like 15 years to actually get good at it and, yeah and i showed my white belt students the same triangle and now they're basically submitting me with that triangle after like a week of that's crazy it. yeah technique time so, machine dude technique time machine man exactly yeah um so i kind of got you off track you were talking about uh you used to do cycles you were uh bad in the streets and then you went back to costa rica i think you said i think this was after you were 22 you were doing all the challenge matches so let's let's go back to that to challenge matches uh yeah yeah let's go back to that so it was was a fun time it was a fun time in costa rica because we were basically pioneers you know we were and for like we would go to Panama, we'd go all around and close by and we'd fight everybody and then we, we got a name. Unfortunately, 
our school, our coach, nobody really liked him. Because I can't imagine why. <laughs> you know I mean? like, so the guys in Costa Rica didn't like him, and it actually became like a. It kind of came back to bite me in the ass. Oh, why? Because you were training under him. Yeah, well, I was competing for like a, a central, a Latin American championship fight, mm -hmm. and because the judges didn't like my team, I basically lost a pretty unanimous decision i ended up losing a split decision what so it was for the championship of all latin america it was a pain in the ass it was big money yeah. too it was a reality show um you know and then whoa you're on a reality show i've been on a couple reality shows <laughs> really am i talking to a star right now well you know i was on uh basically the, the ultimate fighter season 12 uh -huh. with george st pierre and I also did another Latin American reality show called El Gran Peleador, which is all over Central America. And we had 16. Produced by who? Like Telemundo or some shit? It was trying to be sold to Telemundo and different things. But huh. unfortunately, the guy who was producing it ended up like wasting a lot of money and not doing the proper what? filming. So the guys, the bosses were pissed and they never aired it. So it, it went from going El Gran Peleador to El Gran Perdo Tiempo. Oh, no. Because I was actually offered a contract in Bellator and I had to turn it down because I was in that. Holy that. fuck. Wait, so what year was this? This was maybe 2004 or something, 2005. Something well, like I, I had no idea Bellator was even around that fucking long. That's crazy. Something like that. Maybe a while ago. Maybe a little, maybe 2007. I don't know. It's been a little while. It's interesting. You know, I'm actually Costa Rica's first mixed martial arts champion, too. Whoa! That was in 2006, and I won three fights in one night, and it was a 185 max uh, Grand Prix. So I got three submissions in a row. What do you usually walk around at 185? Holy shit! Um, right now I'm getting a little older mm -hmm. with hibernation and shit, so I'm gaining a little bit of weight. Mm -hmm. But it's also because I have recently just broke my arm, so I'm 180 right now. But I usually, mm -hmm. if I'm in shape cardio-wise, I'm always 170. That's, that's what I figured. Yeah, 185. That seems was like. Were you still? Ha did you still have like residual muscle from getting all fucking juicy or what? I guess like I have a bounce back, you know, because mm -hmm. like, I I used to push like 110 pound dumbbells in each hand. Fuck yeah, just, that's just what I'm talking about. Going crazy <laughs> here, but yeah, I mean I'm not. Uh, I do weights. I used to work hard in the weights, and uh -huh. there's muscle memory for sure. But I, I think that. cardio is key. You know, running up hills. Yes, My favorite can. type of training is running up mountains really because you can't you have to god makes you want to quit you know like like gravity makes you want to quit like mm -hmm. everything makes you want to quit and i just like not quitting against yeah. the hill against the hill you know yeah that's cool. cool and especially yeah. like especially if you're running in a mountain it's not as much pollution over there i feel like that type of air and energy is different over there like ru like running in nature as well, opposed to yeah, yeah like like we're over here and we're in a concrete jungle. It's kind of hard to reconnect to nature. And I feel like you're one of those kinds of guys who like really has a good understanding of like, not just like the fighting, but like the spiritual aspect of martial arts. And I feel like you're, you're well, big on that. That's what I'm all about, man. Yeah. I miss nature so much. Growing up in British Columbia is all nature. Costa Rica is all nature. Um, I moved to Boston for two years. I was all in nature. Mm -hmm. And now here in the concrete jungle of New York, it's been hard for me. Um, I try to get a little escapes here and there. Most of the time it's done through like just meditation and just projecting myself like I'm in the jungle somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, I get my, you know, like my motivation and I get my recharging through martial arts, through music, mm -hmm. through hanging with friends, but I don't get my nature recharges as much as I'd like. But I think that this is all temporal. I think that um, in maybe two years I'll be 
probably done with MMA and I'll probably be moving back to Vancouver, Canada. Really? No, be, don't leave us, bro. But you guys are still going to be, you know, my heart is in New York City. I'll, I'll be back in New York City, oh, but yeah. I'm going to open up my own academy in Vancouver and really? I'll be in nature and we're going to go squirrel hunting and doing all that kind of shit that we need to do out in nature. Dude, I'd love to go and visit that. More like snagging squirrels, not really hunting. <laughs> so, um, when did you come to New York? So, my first, um, I guess... Daniel was in, my professor Daniel Gracie, he was in Costa Rica mm-hmm. training for, I think it was his, uh, I want to say IFL fight back in the day. International Fight League? The International Fight League um, fight. I swear to God, I just guessed that. I don't know. International, <laughs> yeah. Maybe the IFL, International yeah. Fight League probably. Uh-huh. And he went down to Costa Rica to do a little cameo appearance at our academy. And I think I was a purple belt, you know. And he basically beat the shit out of me. Really? And, and, and my teammate Juanito, and he was like bigger than life which he still is pretty damn big and he always was very openly like selfless and he would say okay come to new york if you want to do training camps so me and my teammates would always go to new york and stay on daniel's couch and sleep on the floor and hang out and do training camps with daniel this is over like maybe 15 years ago or so you know daniel's the head instructor over here daniel's our head instructor here at hensel gracie fight academy and he has his own academy in philadelphia so yeah, Daniel's a really nice dude. He's huge, a nice guy. Like, not just not just larger than life personality, like where you at, motherfuckers, but like yeah. huge physically. That guy is fucking crazy. Well, Daniel, he's he's like an amazing coach because he's very open. He if he if he doesn't know how to show you something, he'll tell you who can show you it. That's cool. He's really humble. Where most people like will be talking about karate and aikido, and they'll be like, oh, that shit doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Daniel's like, that shit's dope. Like he'll never yeah. put down another martial art. That's cool. He never puts down anybody else. Everywhere I've gone in the world, people are like, oh, you're a Daniel, you're a Daniel black belt. Uh, please stay here, live here, train That's here. That's nice. You know, like, yeah. here's my first goat. Like, you know, like, people are like... <laughs> Take my daughter. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it happens. And Daniel You've taught me it. the most important lesson about pressure because I would move to Boston and Daniel was like, yeah, we got great training partners for you here. Uh, Gabriel Gonzaga, mm-hmm. uh, Banana, Moorcraft, like all these 300 pounders. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what am I going to be doing rolling with 300 pounders? Yeah, yeah. So Daniel would always just tell me, okay, start in side control on this guy. And then the guy would just like flick me off in like mm-hmm. a second. And then I'm like, okay, so I have to adjust and adjust and adjust and adjust. By the end of like a year of training with these 300 pounders, it would take them about a minute to get me off side yeah. control. You know what I mean? And now that's why I have like a decent side control and pressure. Because mm-hmm. that's basically what the black belt is, is you're an expert at basics and you're aware of moves and different things. You can guide all your students depending on your body types, what mm-hmm. they should be working on, but you gotta have good pressure. You can't lose valuable positions that you gain. Mm-hmm. Like when you take someone to the ground, they should not be getting back up. 100%. So yeah. that's kind of like the, the theory and like what I go about, like, you know, like when I'm doing MMA and I'm training, I'm going after people and I'm trying to drown them, just take them down and put pressure I on them. I feel that. And it's, and it's not just like one like one like i would say direction pressure it's variable pressure where it's like not just you're not just grinding somebody out in one way it's like you absorb and then redirect like i definitely feel that when we train yeah i try to do like i've seen professor daniel do it like if you ever watch an animal and they bury themselves in the sand mm-hmm. they're on the sand and they go, and they go yes down. i've seen that yeah, yeah so i've seen that and i watch a lot of animal planet so mm-hmm. i'm always relating to the animal kingdom mm-hmm. And when someone's trying to push you in frame, what you're doing is you're just 
putting down their frames and collapsing on their frames. Yes. So if they push too much, you take away a frame. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? And I always learn, like, when Daniel collapses on my frames, I'm like, I'm watching him do it to other people. So now I start to do the same thing. And it's hard to submit people. Even it's hard to submit a beginner because mm -hmm. people are closed up. So if you can't get a submission, you got to put pressure on them, make them open themselves yes, up, make yeah. them run for their life, and then maybe sneak something in on there. So that's basically where I am now. Like, you know, like especially higher belts, like brown belts, the lessons, everybody thinks it's just about a submission. Submission mm -hmm. doesn't mean anything. Yeah. If you can do 10 rounds in a row and have a poker face, you know, and withstand any amount of pressure mm -hmm. that anyone ever gives you and not break and not be a jerk, that's what really jiu-jitsu is about. It's not just about going in and getting two, two arm bars and then going and sitting on the side and waiting until you feel better. Yes. And going again and going, okay, I feel better now. Okay, I'm going to go with mm -hmm. this person now. Or picking your rules, mm -hmm. which I like to do because I'm a, I'm a realness coach. Like, I make sure that you come and I don't let you be fake. You have to be real. And I watch everybody roll. I make sure everybody goes through the path of most resistance. Which that's creates, nice. yeah. that's, a, that's a Goggins thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just makes you strong. You don't want to go the easy way. Who wants the easy way? You know what I mean? Well, people who like shortcuts want the easy way. Yeah, but shortcut, shortcuts just get you somewhere fast and you don't stay there forever. You want to make, you want to make, the, make it there, you know? Like, I, I was joking around with students. I'm telling them that I'm forging them into Valerian steel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're not just regular old katana swords. They're going to yeah. break. You want Valerian steel. And I, yo, dude, I can appreciate that. I see you go through that. I see, I see that happen. And like, uh, you know, you actually taught me a lesson when I had my nose broken and I was wearing the mask. I, I, I appreciate you telling me to like control my breathing more. And like, that's something you hear all the time. Yeah. And uh, it's just something. Sometimes you need a kick in the ass to remind you. And I was giving myself excuses. I was like, oh, I'm hot in the mask. Like it, it's, yeah. it's hot in here. Like the leather and shit. But I, you know, like I, I thought on it and I was like, there's so much more I can do. Like yeah. there's that, that, there's no excuse for that. And like, even nowadays I, I take it way more serious, like breathing through my nose. I, I hardly breathe through my mouth anymore when yeah. I'm training, like almost never, maybe like not, not even, not even ever. And I can credit that to like that initial kick in the ass you gave me. Yeah. And, uh, I do a lot of hot yoga now. That's so awesome. like I'm trying like that that helps me get in a meditative state. I think I do the best when I'm surrounded by my peers that are also endeavoring and trying to do yeah, something like to better themselves. Well, so. I found that experience through getting my lung punctured Oof. and I wasn't able to breathe. And I remember like I thought I was dying, I was dying and luckily I was close to the emergency got me and, mm -hmm. I, and, I, and I couldn't breathe, my lung had collapsed. And I was like, Phew. And then, like, I never wanted to not have that feeling of not being able to breathe. Yes. Because it was a kind of a really scary feeling. And then I started surfing in Costa Rica, and I almost drowned, and I was, like, hitting these, like, the worst waves. So sometimes, like, a lot of jiu-jitsu practitioners combine with surfing because it teaches you how to breathe properly. When you're in the water, like, the analogy I use for jiu-jitsu is, guys, like, you have to learn how to swim. Like, if you're out in the ocean and you're like, you're going to drown. You yeah. know what I mean? So every time you're rolling, it's all about having a poker face where you never can show your partner yeah. that yeah, you're breathing yeah. wrong. I love that. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. And because in MMA, I always body shot. Like my favorite thing is body shot. I'm listening to see how you're breathing. Knee on belly, pressure, body shot. Same in jiu-jitsu. I won't give you a body shot, but I'll definitely try to squeeze your solar plate. It's like we can go months without food, days without water, 
but literally a couple minutes without yeah, air. Yeah. So air is like the most important thing as a martial artist. And even if I'm boxing or fighting and I'm out of air, I'll put my gloves in front of my mouth, I'll open my mouth and I'll be like, <sighs> you won't see me gasping for air. And then I'll come back, poker Cool face. as a cucumber. You gotta be cool as a cucumber, Pepino man. Pepino boys. Pepino boys, baby, that's the new one. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Pickle, pick, pe 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 Rick. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all about breathing. And I appreciate that you, um, I, I've broken my nose maybe four times. Whew. And I've had to wear those plastic masks, which are so annoying. Yeah. Moving around and like, and then I was wearing this MMA mask that was like, like I fractured my jaw before a fight once. I broke this little, uh, little meniscus that you have in your jaw mm -hmm. so i had to have my jaw kind of like half wired shut damn and i had to wear a headgear and a mask and i'm trying to spar and then you can't breathe and it's basically like the most amount of pressure that someone's going to deal with and you have to take it with a smile and deal with it so like i, I compare to military guys like you're out in the military you're fighting you get shot are you going to be like breaking no you're going to pick up your buddy you yeah. carry him you're going to continue to do what you got to mm -hmm. do so whatever it is you know like Everybody's always like, oh, I'm out of shape. I have no this. It's like, I hate that. We don't want excuses. Yeah. Just train. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I've been injured a million times and I'm always training and I've seen my peers pass me and I've been humble enough to get my ass submitted by everybody on the mat because I'm coming back from an injury. Yes, yeah. Knowing that at the end of the battle, I'm going to look around and see who's got their arm, who's still walking. And that's longevity, jujitsu. You can't just live for the moment. You know what I mean? You got to see if you're going to be there for a long time. You know, and I'm still yeah. competing, and I'm turning 38, and I'm kicking ass right now. Hell yeah. And uh, so you came to New York. You're living on Daniel Gracie's couch. How have you seen, like, the jiu-jitsu scene, uh, like, change over time? Like, talk to me. What was it like when you first came over here? Like, was the Henzo Academy up in Manhattan? Like, was it at a different place? I, I don't even think the Brooklyn Academy was. No, the Brooklyn wasn't here. Um, it was just the blue basement. There wasn't another another academy before that, but mm -hmm. I wasn't there. I was at the blue basement, and I remember that. Um, yeah, man, I'm like some of the old instructors. Will, they'll they'll say I'm like an OG there because I don't really know any of the students anymore because they're all new. Everybody's new. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, but you're 100% an OG. Dude. Yeah, I've been there for a while. I've been there yeah. for like like maybe the last 15, 17, 16 years. I was at the academy <sighs> training, and you know, like. It's changed a lot. I mean, it's got really popular, obviously, thanks to social media and yeah. everybody in our academy kicking ass. Mm -hmm. and we have all eyes on us. And New York City is like just like a, a hot pocket of people wanting to tr travel and visit there. Hell yeah. So, yeah, I think it's awesome. The more people that do jiu-jitsu, the better. So if everybody in the world is doing jiu-jitsu, better for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, yeah, now guys are getting really technical, methodical. Their system, they're following systems, successful systems. Um, I mean, we're not inventing jiu-jitsu. We're, we're actually just repeating and showing, like, a, a, a successful system that's already been used. Yeah. You know, so you have to keep it up and keep doing it. So you're seeing, like, trends, like, coming about again? Like, it's not like you're seeing anything new, really. It's more like... Guys are just, just getting better at stuff and... You know, like leg locks were around. Like when I first got there, people were doing a lot of leg locks. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't really good at it then, and I'm not really good at it now. Although <laughs> my first MMA victory was a heel hook in 30 seconds <laughs> because really? I, I was a purple belt, and I was like, "That's all we. That's all we wanted to do." Hell so we, yeah! We were just going for leg locks. That's my you know fucking I mean? thing right now. I'm a purple belt. Yeah, all I want to do is what, fucking. That's heel what locks. it is because it gives you the ability to kick someone's ass who's better than you. Hell you yeah! Work on it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? 
So as a purple belt, I was going after everybody's heels until my teammates also blew my knees and my heels up. Oh, so really? I'm like knee braces and ankle braces, and I'm like, okay. You're like, yo, chill out, bro. <laughs> well, my, I'm I'm fast. Like that's my best attribute. So okay. if you take away my ankle, like, I can't run. Oh, I yeah. can't do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. So I need to be like smart when it comes to like protecting what I have. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. So yeah, I mean. It's been cool though. I mean, now you go into the academy at Henzo's and like it's like celebrities will be there. Yeah. And, like you go to a class and there's like 70 people there. There's no space mm -hmm. and it's it's pretty cool because if you're like playing basketball and you get to like a high level basketball and say you're not even high level basketball, there's no chance you're gonna be on the same court as LeBron James because mm -hmm. you're not there. Yeah. But in jujitsu, you can be on the same mat. Yeah. As King 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 Ryan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I mean like that's pretty cool. And I I mean I feel lucky. I feel like I'm, you're fucking Larry Bird and I'm over here like on the same mat as you, dude. It's crazy. I'm 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 nothing, man. I'm just I'm just working hard and I'm trying to pave the way like I feel pretty cool that I was like a pioneer in Costa Rica. Yeah. And a lot of Costa Ricans now are traveling and training and going after things that aren't normal because in Costa Rica it's only soccer. There was no yeah. sponsorship, there was mm -hmm. no support. Basically, I was like making 200 bucks a month for like six or seven years out there, like not making any money. Yeah. And it was thanks to friends and family and different some some good sponsors I had that helped me out. And only until now in New York, where my my trade is a bit valuable. You yeah. Know, where I can teach a private for like 200 dollars, like it's amazing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Pe people now, I feel like, are coming around to see the importance of jujitsu and like like uh, just yeah, like the value it brings to the world, like. I think now with the internet and the spread of information and everything, you can really see like, okay, this isn't bullshit. Like this is real. Like this is, yeah. and, and you were saying before how you like to keep it real, like on the mats, right? Like you like your students to keep it real. You, this is a merit-based sport. I say this all the time. I got this from my, uh, my sensei, my mentor, Krishna. He was like, the, this is one of the few sports where like, if you say you're a fucking purple belt, you have to go out there and prove it. If you say yeah. you're a blue belt or a black belt, like you have to be able to go out there and people, it. yeah, defend it. And people will be like, yeah, he's legit. He's a black belt. Like, he's not just yeah. saying it. Like, you can tell within the first fucking 10 seconds. And that's magical because I don't think there's many things in this world that are like that still. Like, the, you can bullshit. You can fake it till you make it in a lot of things. But in jujitsu, it's almost like impossible. You can't, you don't. Yeah, yeah, well, people are walking around on the street with this chip on their shoulder or this image or mm -hmm. a fancy car or a fancy watch. And basically, when you get on the mat, you take all that off. Yeah. And you put on a uniform. Yeah. And you start at the beginning. You got to be humble. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter if you're a president or if you're a lawyer, or you're a doctor, or whatever you yeah. are. You start at the back of the line and you <laughs> earn your way to the front. Fuck you know? yeah. And there's no favoritism. You know, there's no class classism. There's rich guys. There's poor people. It doesn't matter. Everybody's all one, all one mm -hmm. family. And you earn that respect through working hard. And some people can sneak in schools and go in there for the picture or go in there for a certain couple roles and go home but a good instructor a good coach won't allow that to happen you know like um i see everybody on the mat what everybody's up to yeah i can smell it i don't even have to i can have my eyes closed and i can see exactly what everybody's going after yeah and i find it there's always a blessing when you, I, I got injured now so i've been kind of just coaching everybody mm -hmm. and i find that i have like maybe 10 different brown belts coming to my class a lot that's nice because they're trying to learn how to get to the black belt mm -hmm. and i always tell them that most of my lessons are off the mat 
It's mm-hmm. not even like a technique I'm showing you. Like most yeah. of the all, all the teachings that I give people has maybe ten percent to do with jujitsu. Most of it is how to carry yourself, how to act. You're a Henzo Gracie black belt. So that's a huge image. Yes. That's like a, the, one of the greatest, one of the best Ivy League schools in the world. You travel around the world <laughs> yeah. and you're a Henzo black belt, like, oh shoot. Like, There's that respect. That, I, that, that, I have guys, yeah. Harvard doctors calling me professor. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's crazy. So you definitely have to teach people how to act if they're not mm-hmm. acting correctly. Uh, some people are really amazing and they're humble. And usually they're the ones who've been beaten the hardest. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guys that haven't been beaten don't want to be humble. They don't want to be broken in. So it's that's why it's like I like to be a coach that rolls with all my students. Like sometimes if you don't roll with your students, the best students on the mat will think they're really, really good, you know, because yes. there's no one beating them yes. up. You, know what I mean? you need to beat those guys up in a yeah, nice way. It's necessary. It's necessary, you know, for sure. Yeah, I could see that. Like I get fucked up every single day. There isn't a day that goes by where I'm not getting destroyed by my coaches. And like... I think that does wonders for me. And yeah. if you're not getting beat up at your academy, you might be like a big fish in a small pond. But like, there's an exception. Like, if your coach is old or something like that. But, but like, there's always going to be like a good coach. If even if he's old, he's going to find someone, mm. match it up mm-hmm. for you, and watch you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because he needs to test you. You know what I mean? I do that all the time. Like, I stir the pot a little bit because my coach in Costa Rica used to do it. So, I will tell like someone on the team, go, hey go after this person they're good they're they're good at this they're doing mm-hmm. that and then i tell the other person the same thing go after that person you know what i mean and then they're both like <sighs> but they're going after each yeah. other and then everything changes their breathing changes their adrenaline changes, yes yes changes. yes and it shouldn't really change it should just be just another day on the mats but i created some sort of stir there like an environment to, yeah a little environment and like i come from a school where you had to submit everybody on the mat that's a higher belt in order for you to get your belt. Wow. You know? So when I was a white belt, I was looking for all the blue belts. When I was a blue belt, I was looking for all the purple belts. Purple belts, I was looking for all the brown belts and so on. Mm-hmm. So you don't get to the next belt or stage and you're like scared to roll with people. Yes. Because you know? there's nothing worse than getting your purple belt and then scared of rolling with the blue belts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you don't want that kind of stuff in your academy. Um, but nowadays things have changed. Like if you're committed and you're here every day and you show up, and I understand there's guys that are older, that are doctors, and there's guys that are younger that compete. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a, a spectrum or a range of yeah, every belt. Because the sport you know is I mean? so huge now. Yeah. Exactly. You know. But yeah, this is the jujitsu aside. You know, like I I feel that I have a yin and a yang, and my MMA is my yin and my yang is my jujitsu. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm really aggressive in MMA and I'm really passive and relaxed in jujitsu. I don't really push myself in jiu-jitsu where I like I can't make a mistake mm-hmm. or you know any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It would be just too intense for me all day long. You know what I mean? I don't compete in jiu-jitsu too much other than here and there, like competition, like a Naga or an IBJJF mm-hmm. here and there. But I really focus my career in MMA, and that's where I can't make mistakes. You know? Yeah, like one mistake is like your orbital fractured. Yeah, I mean it's you want to be longevity in the sport, and you only can have a few concussions, so. Like, you know, if you're a quarterback and you get a concussion, then you get that teddy bear syndrome mm-hmm. where you're scared of everything. 100%, yeah. So in MMA, it's the same thing, you know? Like, I've I've had 21 professional fights. I brag all about all the time about it. I've never been knocked out or never been knocked down, although in my mm-hmm. last fight, I slipped kind of on a punch, but I was pretty groggy. Mm-hmm. But I still haven't been knocked down in a fight. <laughs> 
And it's basically because of cardio and footwork and elusive and not taking damage yeah. and not taking any damage. Mm -hmm. It's not about sitting there playing patty cake with the other person and showing how much like leg damage you can take. And like, yeah, once in a while you want to show the crowd that you can take a punch yeah, and get like bloody. bite down on the mouthpiece. Yeah. It's okay once in a while. If the stakes are high, if you're getting paid. Yeah. But if you're not getting paid, if the guy that a guy doesn't deserve to be in the ring with you, just take him out. Yeah. Submit him right away. Why play around? Why get hurt? You know what I mean? Yeah, there's always that chance there. You know? Um, so, if uh, if you had to, like, go back in time, like, if you could go back in time to, like, your white belt self or your blue belt self, like, what would what advice would you give yourself? Like, what do you think, yeah. Like, man. even if it's a lot of advice, it's fine. I'm, I'm here to listen. Like, this, because this isn't just for me, man. Like, yeah, I've had a lot of people, like, a lot of white belts, a lot of people just coming into the sport, or people that don't even do the sport, they listen to this, and they, they take these lessons. Like you said, it's not just on the mat. There's a lot of it that goes on off the mat. So, if you well, had to give yourself some advice. I, I know, like... go back in time. Like... I, I would say like a martial artist or, a, or like an MMA fighter, even jiu-jitsu, you're like a shooting star. Your career is really short. Yeah. An injury can happen at any moment. Yeah. Now, an injury, you know, is, I call it like a, like a blessing. Like, good. awesome. I broke my arm. That's awesome. Now I actually have a challenge because my life is just too easy. You know, that's the way I look at shit. Yes, yes. When I break my leg, okay, whatever. Now, now everybody else can catch up to where I'm at. <laughs> but it's more so like you don't want to burn yourself out. I understand that this is you're hooked on it and you're addicted. I would spend equal time training and watching. I would take my time because everybody's different. Mm -hmm. You got to turn your body into the sport that you practice. If you don't have a muscle in your body, you should be working on getting your body a bit strong, a bit flexible before mm -hmm. you start going in there and starting tearing and stretching and, and hurting your body. Um, definitely be consistent with your rest days. You know what I mean? Like. People just think that the only way you get better is by training, 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 training. But what you don't realize is you need to take a few days off to relax and not think of it. You know, like mental psychology, like psychology about like the mental aspect of fighting. Mm -hmm. You can go to a fight exhausted by overthinking about it. So yes. usually before competitions, I'm watching Dumb and Dumber and watching comedies and not even thinking about it at all. Uh -huh. Because you've done so much muscle memory and it's second nature and yeah. you're gonna you're gonna react on instinct anyway yeah yeah like i don't need to train anymore i'm ready to go you hit me i'm mad let's go you know what i mean mm -hmm. i know what i'm supposed to do so i would say at my white belt self don't let other people push you as much push yourself write a plan short-term goals long-term goals i would be strict on days off mm -hmm. when things hurt don't be stubborn about it ice it and the times I've hurt myself is when I was, didn't listen to my body. You gotta listen to your body. You know, like when you're 19 or 15 or 20, you're made of rubber, it doesn't hurt. But it's harder to recover when you get older. And definitely work on the flexibility because being flexible is just gonna keep you more longevity, you know? Mm -hmm. And your diet and your nutrition. I didn't know how important food and, and nutrition was until I, you realize it's your it's your energy. You That's know? Your, your fuel. It's your gas tank. Yeah, it's yeah. Whatever. So it's cool to say, oh yeah, I can eat hot dogs and burgers all day long and drink coke and go and train. Yeah. I used to brag when I was like 25. I thought I had the best rolls ever when I was hungover. So I would drink a lot. Yeah, and I, and understand. I understand. And sweat it out. Like, I know, understand. I so understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in reality, you're drying your muscles out, and when you're 30, you're gonna tear something, and it's gonna come wow. from this, the the easiest thing. 
It's not gonna be like, oh, it was like the biggest knee blowout or something. Yeah. It's gonna come from a little tweak, and then it's gonna go a little more and a little more, and it's gonna pop. So yeah, you don't have to be a macho man. You can come and watch. If you feel sore, take the time off. This is gonna be for the rest of your life. So why are you trying to cram it all in in one year? You know what I mean? Like, what's well, that shooting star? thinking you know like it's the shooting like the balance between the two is so hard to fight i mean so hard to think we're thinking jujitsu longevity just to do it for the rest of your life okay yeah you want to be a competitive athlete that's the shooting star yeah you only have a small window that's why you have to go 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 and i understand and then when it comes into taking steroids i never took steroids in art martial arts or jujitsu and i understand that guys are thinking oh shit okay if I don't take steroids, I might never make it to the big show. Yeah. If I do take steroids, I'll make it there. If they test me, I'll get taken off again. <laughs> but at least I made but it. But I there. made it. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like the way people say, I'm not against anybody who does it. That's fine. But I think that unless you reach your full potential, mm-hmm. unless you are the fastest and the strongest you'll ever be, that's when you take it. You don't take it when you're a beginner. You don't take it when you haven't reached your full potential. Mm-hmm. You know, you take it when you're broken or you're injured. And you need to recover. That's when it came out, you know. Like in that's the why it's there. That's why it's yeah. there. It's not to yeah. take it like I'm a blue belt. I'm scrawny. Like <laughs> go go to the gym, work hard, and then like you know get to black belt, and then you're elite, and you're like not getting any better. Then yeah, maybe try it. You that, know what I mean? that like comes back to what I was saying before, where I would use like exogenous things to uh, to don't, make don't, things. Don't make up words, dude. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I would use things like outside of my own body, outside of my own mind, to help me get over my hardships. Like I would, I would use that stuff, and like, as I'm getting older and I'm learning, like, you know, like it's better if I take it upon myself to, to get over these things, to, to get to to get emotionally like, like uh, stronger, you know, as opposed to just smoking about it, yeah. or as opposed to just like you know, like all that shit. Like I, I, I used to smoke cigarettes, like fuck, like a pack every two days before jiu-jitsu i quit cold turkey because wow. of this shit that's awesome and it's it's just like you man like you know like you find something that you love and that gives you purpose and then it all just starts to make sense your your like your path is clear you know another so. thing i would say is be like a dreamer you know like most people yeah like if you tell a small-minded person something a goal or you want to do this yeah. they're gonna laugh at you yeah so it's like I, I, I'm coming from like a, a peace country of Costa Rica and in Canada like I mean like I never like I never thought I was gonna be an MMA fighter or jiu-jitsu practitioner but as soon as I had that goal huh. I'm gonna be the best in the world fuck yeah and it didn't matter about what anybody else said and it didn't matter how I was gonna get there it just I knew I was gonna get there and I don't listen to other people because everybody else is gonna give you a million opinions on why you shouldn't do it because they couldn't do it so if you want something, really go for it. Don't be like a guy who's like, oh, I'm gonna ask everybody else or I need someone else's, you know, like whatever, you know? You just gotta go after your shit and believe in yourself. Believe in your ability and surround yourself with good people that are on the same mission as yourself. You know, like if you're around a bunch of people that are doing drugs all day and staying on all night, you're probably not gonna go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like surround yourself like, all my friends now are basically just from the academy. That's, yeah. I, don't, I don't really have that many friends outside of the academy anymore. And that's what you want. You want friends that are on the same mission. Everyone's going after it. Everybody's pushing mm-hmm. each other. I agree. That's probably one of the best pieces of advice I've heard in these interviews. To be a dreamer. Because not enough people not enough people say that shit. Like it's hard. It's it's so hard. It's probably the hardest thing it, that's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do is like 
really believe in myself and like I, 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 f I feel myself sometimes like especially back in like my blue belt days I would give myself like these built-in excuses where it was like you know like I'd pretend like oh I don't really care about this tournament or like you know I, you know like it's like a safety net or I would smoke so fucking much bef like smoke bud like before like a, a tournament or something so it's kind of like a safety net where it's like oh I was so high like I fucking yeah yeah like but as I'm getting older and as I'm getting more serious in the sport, I'm thinking about like, what, what do I like? When I look back, at, am I gonna like that I did that? Like, am 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 I gonna be proud that I did that? Like, I want to make my yeah, I want to be, I want to make my mark. I want to be impactful, and I don't think that's gonna be it if I keep acting like that. Like, so this is like a really. This is that's great. That's great for for me to hear personally. That hit so like home for me. Like. I am a dreamer. I, I I do see myself like competing with the best and being one of the best in the world. And I'm and I'm trying. I try every fucking day, dude. Like the, you're gonna this, be there. That that. Thank you. So thank you for that. Yeah. It's important. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, I regret in high school. Like I didn't take it that serious. Like I was didn't expect to go to university. I didn't really care. So I was like just going out and smoking weed and then doing all my exams high and like. And I still was able to get a good average. Had yeah, I applied too, myself better, things could have changed. So it's the same thing like in martial arts, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get knocked out and I don't want to get exhausted. Like mm -hmm. fatigue will make a coward out of anyone. So yeah. I, I have these checklists. I was very, really strict. Like I, I definitely looked into a lot of sports psychology and I like, I was thinking, okay, this is my checklist. I need to have them all checked off mm -hmm. and I'm not going to give any excuses. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, I'm not going to go out and drink and party all night because I'm going to go and compete the next day and then lose yeah. and say, oh, yeah, I was drinking a party on See, yeah, that's... it. See, yeah. It doesn't work like that for me. So, I mean, I'd rather go out and do my best and know I lost because he was better than giving myself That's so scary, though. Or you know? But that's people so scary. are better. Yeah. People are good. Yeah. And you do need to catch up. You know, like my last fight, I was fighting a guy who was a world-class knockout artist, Muay Thai fighter, mm -hmm. and he was scared to go to the ground with me only because he's a beginner in jiu-jitsu so everybody goes and does anti-jiu-jitsu they try to learn a crash course on how to defend a few things and they get slippery and they run away and they don't engage yeah. but i was telling in all the interviews like he's a great fighter but he has a lot of catching up to do you know like i've been doing mma for over a decade and i worked <laughs> on i worked on my weaknesses yeah over a decade ago, I was working on my weaknesses, uh -huh. where now I feel like I don't have any weaknesses. Yes, there's guys that are better strikers. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's guys that are better wrestlers. There's better jiu-jitsu fighters. There's probably guys who have better cardio. There's probably guys that are stronger than me. But all in all, every one of those checklists I worked on. So you're not going to intimidate me on your feet. You're not going to intimidate me when you come to wrestling. You're not going to intimidate <laughs> That's me awesome. over here. Yeah. And if you don't have that, you got to work on that. You got to put hours and hours and hours in. You know, and that's unfortunate now my body is running out of time because I'm getting mm -hmm. older. Yeah. I wish I was 28 and I felt like how I was, then I would be a UFC champion, you know what I mean? Or whatever, but it's never too late to pass it on to other people. Like, now I'm working with my students, oh yeah, you suck at this position. Okay, go work on it. What are you scared of? Why are you running away from that position? Go into that position, you know, make your weaknesses yeah. your strengths. Dude, you're speaking to my soul right now. That's what it's all about, bro, yeah. and I'm telling you, like, I've done a lot of motivational speaking in Costa Rica and Spanish with all the Costa Ricans and all my teammates. We're going to be done and in like two minutes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is this is what I do. Like I'm a motivator. Like I try to motivate my friends and my students. I try to get everybody as motivated as me because when I get hurt or I lose, who am I going to look to to motivate me?
the people that I motivate. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if I'm just sitting around all being selfish, just to mm-hmm. me, when you lose, nobody gives a fuck. You know what I mean? So you gotta give. You gotta give a lot. Like I find that I'm a giver. I give. I give. I give. I give. I give. But you yeah. get back so much. And when I get you back give a so lot. Yeah. I get back a lot. You know, like I'm working with the kids. I teach kids jitsu here to kids in Brooklyn. And this little five year old girl, she's like, "Let me do reverse arm bars on you." And she's doing arm bars on me all day. And I, I just told her in front of everybody, in front of the class, I go, "Listen, today Nina had the best arm bar." And she was like, <gasps> "Everybody was clapping. She's got a smile on her face." She told her mom. Her mom comes up to me, and goes, "Man, I don't know what." She loves jujitsu now. And was oh, just making one little man. comment. Yeah. And she was actually really good. And now she's happy and dancing and running around. And it's like everybody has an invisible sign hanging around their neck saying, make me feel special. You know what I mean? And most people aren't confident enough to give someone else a compliment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I love to tell people compliments and push them and yeah. push them and make everybody laugh and have mm-hmm. fun. Laughter to me is just a way to deal with stress and problems mm-hmm. and anxiety, you know what I mean? So you deal with it, you have fun, you go to the academy, you forget about everything, you go into the zone, you open up your, your eyes, you look at the clock and class is over and you're like, man, that was the best day of my life. Yeah, you know what I mean? I agree, man. That's dope. So, um, we're running out of time, unfortunately, because like I don't have uh, much memory on my phone. But uh, this was one of the best interviews I think I've had. Uh, do you have any like closing words or anything you'd like to say? Well, first off, you guys, um, the whole fourth stringer community. You know, you guys, both you guys are awesome. Um, I love training with you guys. I want to see more of you guys. What you guys are doing is, is like I said, it's inspiring. It inspires other people that don't know what jiu-jitsu is or trying to get involved in this. Mm-hmm. Um, follow me on social media, Tarzan CR, Tarzan Costa Rica. I'm a black belt here at Henzo's. If you want to come in and train, uh, we're welcome. We're opening our doors to everybody. Um, you know, I'm currently fighting in one championship in Asia. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm coming back. I'm coming off a, a third arm break that I've had in 10 years. Uh, but that's just the way it goes. So closing is just thanks for having me, basically. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming on, man. I definitely have to interview you again because uh, there's another side to Tarzan we <laughs> didn't get to see yet. So I got a lot of weird shit. I yeah, talk I can't wait for the weird shit. That's what we live for here at Four Stringers. All right, man. Thanks, my man. Thank you, Fabi Ducci. Thanks. Boom. Thanks, Boom. Bro.